We'll be continuing our study through the book of James today in chapter 2. It's possible and even likely to lose perspective of biblical events and the chronological timeline of events as you're reading through the New Testament. The reason why is as you're reading, it's not laid out in chronological order. So as you're studying the New Testament, it sometimes can be confusing as to the way things are laid out and, um, and the intent behind the authors and when these um, writings were written. So uh, people read the book of James and believe he was contradicting what Paul wrote because Paul had said so much uh, about grace and about faith and all of this. And, and here James was talking about works and it seemed to contradict what Paul had said. But here's the problem. James was written first and distributed to the churches first before Paul wrote his letters, any of his letters. So if anyone was actually contradicting anyone, it would be Paul who was contradicting what James said. But in reality, there is no contradiction at all. It's an apparent contradiction coming from two different perspectives so when we look at what Paul wrote and what James wrote, they tie in perfectly, but they're looking at things from two different understandings, two different perspectives of the audience they were trying to reach. And so when we look at Paul saying faith is what's necessary for salvation, and James said works is necessary for salvation, one of them has to be right. But it's both of them that are right, and we're going to see that in our study today. Today's study is titled, Faith and Works. And we continue in James chapter 2 with verse 14, where James writes, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? We'll stop there. This verse would almost appear to be saying that faith cannot save a person. That's, that's what it appears to be saying, but that's not what he's saying at all. He's beginning, first of all, with the rhetorical phrase, what does it profit? What does it profit a, a person that if they say they have faith and they don't have work? But really, the way that it can be understood is, who does it profit? Who's profiting from faith without works? No one. No one profits if there's someone that says they have faith but is not producing any works from that faith. So in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, Paul describes our way to salvation, saying, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift from God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So that apparently contradicts what James is saying. 
And we can get confused as to where these two positions are coming from. There have been times in my life when I've been misunderstood, and it happens quite often at home. And I can be misunderstood easily because I know what I'm thinking, but I may not be saying what needs to be said at the right time. Or the words that I'm using may not be comprehended in the way that I intended them. And so there can be a conflict based on something that isn't really there. I may be fully aligned and in tune with what my wife believes or what she's saying, but what I'm saying sounds like I'm not. And that can happen. Has that ever happened to you guys? Yeah, I know. And it's because of the fact, quite often, that I speak before I listen. But quite often, it's because I want to convey a thought, and I'm conveying it based on what I understand. And so James is doing something very similar. He's conveying a thought, and Paul does something very similar. He's conveying a thought, but they're completely aligned. They're just looking at it from different points of view. The most important thing for us to do is to continue the discussion until we understand which, what we're talking about, the topic that uh, we're talking about. Remember what James said earlier. He said that we should be slow to speak and we should be quick to hear, and we should be slow to wrath. And that's something that we can take to heart here as we're looking at these scriptures, because what does it profit if we're quick to speak and we're just causing wrath in people's lives because we're quick to speak and we didn't hear and we're not listening? So we need to apply that here the same way when we put our works to work. It's the work of listening, and it's the act of speaking softly and speaking slowly. And not getting, you know, I was um, coming up the street, going to make a left on to Palomino um, yesterday. And I got up there, I stopped at the four-way stop at... Uh, at Palomino and Palisades, and then I started going. And the person across the way thought that the um, one-eighth of a second that they stopped was enough at that point to go ahead and accelerate through the intersection while I was already proceeding through. And um, it's at that point that my hand instinctively hit the horn. Now, I didn't have to hit the horn because... Uh, Really, they saw me coming, and they knew that I had the bigger vehicle. <laughs> and they were um, going to have to stop at some point, and they did. But um, my in instinct was to let them know, it's my right away. This is, you know, hey, I'm the one that's supposed to be. I was sitting there for a good two seconds, you know. So it, it was my turn to go. And, and sometimes we get that way in our lives where we just, we take our privilege and it's our right, I'm going to do it and I'm going to go. But um, sometimes it's better if uh, we just stop and we wait 
just for a moment and we listen to what the other person um, has to say. In verse 15, it says, If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of food, of daily food, and one of you says, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what is it profit? The example James gives is of a brother or sister in Christ that are in need, not just anyone in general. This is a brother or sister in Christ that are in need. But I believe that this can be extended to anyone that's really in need and that we can meet those needs. But here James is specifically speaking about a brother or sister in Christ. And he says if they're in need and we have nice words for them, go in peace, be blessed. But we don't do anything for them. What does it profit? Who is it profiting? We can bless them all we want, but how are we providing for them? How are we helping them and meeting their needs? So shouldn't we be providing for them? And if so, how far do we take the providing for them? How far do we go with that? I have an answer. As far as God tells you to go. You see, quite often, we don't have any idea of where God is leading us because when we get uncomfortable, we stop in our tracks and we decide, this is far enough for me. But God wants to lead us further. He wants to take us to the uncomfortable zone. He wants to take us to the place where we're stretching ourselves a little bit because that's where he becomes effective in our lives and in the lives of others. If we just do things to the point of where we are comfortable, we won't get much done. Because anyone can do that. Anyone can help and be helpful and work in people, you know, helping people and do things for people. But when we get to the point of being uncomfortable, if we say, okay, well, I'm done, I'm leaving, we're not really accomplishing anything that they really need. That's the point where God gives us the power to take over and to continue doing what he wants to accomplish. We can pray, Lord, use me as an instrument to further your kingdom. And then he gives us opportunities to help others. He says, okay, here's an opportunity for you. Go ahead and do this. And then we say, that's out of my comfort zone, Lord. That's not what I want to be doing. You know, I really had the idea of doing this or that. You know, I'd like to get up there and teach. Rick seems to be having a good time with that. So, you know, maybe I can do that. You know, and we always have an idea of what we want to do. But that's probably not what God wants us to do. There are many times in the ministry over the years that I did things that I really didn't think was fun, but I knew they needed to be done. So I got out there and did them. And God blessed every time when I was doing things that I didn't want to do. God blessed me. God blessed someone else too. Hey, that toilet flushes again, you know? And they were blessed. You know, me, okay, I didn't think so much. But 
I was blessed too because just the reaction from people of doing things for them that they weren't going to be able to do themselves. And then it was just taken care of for them. So do we place limitations on how and what we want God to do in our lives? Or what we will allow God to give us to do? Do we place limitations? Do we say, you know what, Lord, I'm a little busy right now. I've got things on my plate. So I tell you what, this is, I have this time slot here where I can do something. And this is what I want to do. This is, oh, don't make me drive across town. You know, well, see, the Lord knows better than to ask me to drive across town because by the time I'm getting there, I'm of no use. I'm already too frustrated from driving across town to be of good use. So the Lord keeps me local. You know, I, I believe he's stretching me. You know, he's trying to get me to be a, a, a little more useful in other places. But I'm good right here. Thank you, Lord, for keeping me in Fountain Hills. You know, but he does stretch us to do things that we're not comfortable doing. And we shouldn't be the ones telling him what to do. If we're the ones that are setting the rules, guess what? He's not going to ask us. He's not going to force you to do anything. He's not going to say, this is what I got for you, do this. He's going to say, here, this is open for you to do. Do you want to do this? No? Okay, I'll find someone else. And there will be someone else that will do it. And not only will they do it, they'll be blessed. And you lose out on the blessing. I know there are many blessings that I've lost out on because I didn't do what God wanted me to do. I was too focused on what my plan was, my agenda was. And God said, no, I have another plan. And I said, wow, that doesn't line up with what I'm doing. You're right, because what you're doing is going to fail. What I'm doing is going to succeed, and it's going to bless someone. What does it profit? It profits a lot when we're doing what God wants us to do, when he wants us to do it, and how he wants us to do it. Our society has become very cynical towards people that are in need. When you pull off the freeway and there are the folks that are standing there with the cardboard signs asking for money, it's tough. Because you're thinking to yourself, are they just making a living doing that? Are they just out there you know, supporting their drug habit or their alcoholism or, or are they just too lazy to work? And that's how they work. You remember the signs, we'll work for food. You hardly see them anymore because people actually said, okay, I got a job for you. They didn't want a job. So they stopped doing that. But now we've become cynical towards those people. And there are people in need that are out there. So now as I see those people out there, I pray in my heart, Lord, do they really need help right now? Do you want me to do something? Do you want me to help them? And if he says, yes, I'm helping. I'm stopping. I'll pull out some money. I'll give it to him. That's, thank God 
that he doesn't do that all the time. I'd be broke. But the thing is, he does do it sometimes. He does tell me and Cheryl, he, he tells Cheryl more often, to go ahead and stop and give them money and bless them. And we do. because. But it's a very narrow window of opportunity because there are so many people out there that are taking advantage of the system. And our whole society has become cynical because of that. It's tough. But the more sensitive we are to the Lord and what he's doing in our lives, the more sensitive we are to those situations, the better we can respond to those situations when the time comes. In verse 15, James refers to the basic necessities of life, clothing and food. We live in a country that we have an abundance. We, we, the poorest people in our country are rich compared to many in the world. Almost 50% of the population of the world live on less than $2.50 a day. That's an honest statistic. Between 45 and 50% of the population in the world live on less than $20 a week. I couldn't do that. There's no way in the world. But we're so used to living on what we have, we've become accustomed to living this way. And that's how we live now. And we don't consider how others live. And they have needs. The point James is making is that we can't just wish someone well if they're starving and naked. They need help. And we need to do more if we're truly Christians we need to show the love of Christ and help them and bless them. James solidifies his argument in verse 17, where he says, Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So faith is not faith if it's hidden. Faith must be exposed to demonstrate that it exists. And quite often, there are many Christians that have faith and their faith is here in their head. It's an intellectual faith. It, it hasn't sank down the 12 inches to here, to the heart, where faith actually is activated by what we do because of what we feel in our heart. It's not an intellectual action. It's a heart action. It's a love action. It's what we do because we love the Lord and we want to be used as his hands and feet to reach the world around us. We want to minister. We want to help. There are many people out there that are struggling, especially in this day and age, and the divide is getting bigger. And how do we help? What do we do? What point do we stop helping? I don't have the answers for that. What I do know is whatever the Lord leads us to do, that's what we should be doing. We need to be sensitive to what he's leading us to do. But we can't be sensitive to what the Lord is leading us to do if we're not focused on what the Lord wants us to do, if we're not praying, if we're not considering and having our eyes open 
Quite often when I drive around, I know what my destination is, and I am familiar with all the landmarks, so I go from here to there, and then I go back, and, and I'm not really paying attention to the things around me. When I go into the store, I'm not really paying attention so much to people because I'm on a hunt, you know? It, it, women shop a little differently than men, you know? Women go in, and they're looking at stuff. Oh, look at that. Oh, and look at this. No, 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 not for me. I'm going hunting. You know, I've got these five things, and this is what I'm going for, and I'm going to... And, and so I'm missing out on the scenery. I used to golf, and I was a terrible golfer, but I love golf courses. I, I, you know, the beauty and, and just being out there, it was so nice. It was refreshing. It was calming, except when I got up to the tee or when I was trying to chip up onto the green. It wasn't calming then. You know, and I thought, how could there be such a dichotomy here? How can there be so much angst at the same time there's so much beauty? And that's kind of like the world that we live in. There's so much beauty out here, but there's so much angst. There's so many things that cause us challenges and, and problems in the world around us. And, and how do we deal with that? How do we, um, you know, overcome that? Well... Part of it is knowing what we believe, knowing who we believe in. That's the part of faith. But then how do we take that faith and implement it, execute it, and reach people with that faith? See, James is referring not to the commandments that you know, we're supposed to be following law and doing works by following the law, you know, okay, well, I've been circumcised and I've done, you know, I follow the Ten Commandments and so I'm doing good. I'm, I'm right up there. That's not what he's talking about when he says works. Works is what we do with our faith to demonstrate what we believe. That's what works is. Works is all about demonstrating what God has shared with us to other people through how we live. We need to be doers of the work, revealing the faith that we have in Christ through the work that we do for him. At the same time, we can't just be doing things for the sake of doing. There are a lot of churches out there, a lot of people out there that are doing great things. There's all kinds of great work being done throughout the world for the sake of doing work, not for the sake of Jesus Christ not for the sake of sharing the gospel with someone. What good is it if we feed someone, if we clothe them, and they don't know about eternity, and they die here? Well, at least they died clothed and fed. That's not a good response. You see, the thing is, when we are reaching out, when we're helping, when we're doing something, we're supposed to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And what did he do? He led people to the Lord. He was leading people to the Father by the actions that he was doing here on earth. And sometimes they actually followed. Sometimes they didn't. He would heal and then they would go away. And sometimes it was just one that would come back and say, okay, I, you know, I, I need to follow you. I know that you have the answer. 
Well, what happened to the other nine? Don't know, but I'm here. And that's not your problem either. When God tells you to help someone, he's not saying that now you have to drag them to church and make sure they get baptized. And if it doesn't work the first time, do it again. That's not what he's saying. He says, do what I tell you to do, and that may be to help someone, bless someone financially or with some clothing or maybe watching their kids or something like Whatever the, the case may be, you do those things and you allow that to happen and then see where God takes it. He is the one that will reveal his purposes through you. But it's not that we're just doing the work for the sake of doing work. And then when the people are, are blessed, they don't realize who they're blessed from. I don't want them to be blessed by Rick Ponzo. I want them to be blessed by Jesus Christ. Because it isn't Rick Ponzo that's doing the blessing. It's God the Father through his son Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit living within us that's going out there and ministering the love of God in our lives to reach the people. And we can't take credit for any of it. And sometimes we do. But we can't do that. We need to state the purpose of our blessing. Hey, I'm blessing you because God has blessed me. And I just wanted to demonstrate that love to you that I know that I have through him. So doing works without faith is a form of earning our way to heaven. There are lots of religions out there that do that. There are plenty of other organizations that you can get involved in that are working their way to heaven by the work that they're doing. Unfortunately, we can't earn our way to heaven. We can't work our way to heaven. If that were the case, Jesus would not have had to die on the cross. That was the reason he died. Because we couldn't earn or work our way to heaven. So he made the way by his substitutional death on the cross. And now we have the way. And the work isn't so that we're paying him back either. Because you don't have enough time to do that much work. You'd be working for many lifetimes and you still wouldn't be able to make it. You see, it's not about what we do for him. We're doing it for him out of love. Or are we? Even as Christians, we can get caught up in doing things out of obligation. Feeling like we have to because I'm a Christian. I've got to do this. This is what I, I've got to do. I'm, I'm going to have to help them move. I wish they'd stop moving. I was in charge of the moving ministry down in, um, down in Queen Creek when uh, we, you guys remember that, right? Lewis and Sam were visiting from Queen Creek. And we were moving people on a regular basis, especially early on in the church. Lots of people were moving from California into uh, Queen Creek. And so we were moving people like on every other week. We were moving someone, unloading trucks and doing all of this stuff. Sometimes they would move, they would rent, and then they would buy, and then they would have to move again. And then so we'd have to pack up all the stuff we unpacked so we can move them into the new place. And it was like, this is insane. But we did it anyway. 
One of the greatest blessings was when we moved here from San Diego and I had two 26-foot U-Haul pickups, U-Haul trucks filled. We actually had to leave stuff behind because we couldn't get them into two 26-foot trucks fully loaded. We were moving into a 3,800-square-foot house from a 1,500-square-foot house. And we, we were bringing everything, you know. And we brought it here. And when we arrived two hours later, the guys from the church showed up, lots of them. And they unloaded everything in two hours, two full trucks. They unloaded everything and brought it into the house. That was an awesome blessing. It was true Uh, true discipleship. These guys were disciples of Christ. I can see how they loved and how they ministered. and, And it was just awesome that they blessed us in such a way. And then my wife had to have it all put away before midnight. But, you know... That's okay, because, uh, because we, we got it in the right room, so it was easy to do. But works can't get us a front seat in heaven, no matter how hard we work. Faith comes first, and it's followed by works. The works that we do are because of our faith, and it's not because of our faith in what we can do, it's our faith in what he can do. Verse 18, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God? You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. So James calls out those who say they have faith, but don't have works to demonstrate their faith. Not that we have to find works, Quite often, that's what people do. They say, okay, well, I'm going to do this and that, and they try to find projects that they can do that are an example of their faith. They can point to it and say, look, I just did this, and I I went to the church, and I cleaned everything there. And, you know, that's my works. Well, if that's why you're doing it, then you've missed the point. We have people that clean the church. They don't talk about it. They don't go around, you know, telling people, hey, I clean the church, you know. They just do it, and no one knows. And it's a huge blessing to me, to Cheryl, because someone else is doing it, and otherwise we would be doing it. And if we do things to be seen, we're actually losing our reward. See, our reward is in heaven. It's storing up. The things that we do is storing up in heaven. And if we're just taking credit for everything that we do down here, then we're not going to have anything stored up up there. We, you know, we may have a segue or something like that so we can get around. But, you know, we're not going to have what God wants to bless us with if we're taking all the blessing down here. So James calls out those who say they have faith, but they don't demonstrate it. And he tells them to show their faith without works. That's impossible. You can't demonstrate faith without works because then all it is is words. It's not faith at all. 
Conversely, James reveals his faith by his works, which should be what each one of us are doing. Not that we have to find the work, but that we demonstrate our faith through the work that God has placed before us. And I believe when we have true faith and we're led by the Spirit, then we're doing things that Christ leads us to do. Not that we are trying to do on our own. Not things that we come up with that think, oh, that'll be good. I'll, I'll get noticed for that. Instead, we do things that God wants us to do, the Holy Spirit leads us to do, and then we can accomplish the things that he wants to actually have accomplished. It isn't something we have to force to happen. So it comes naturally. Actually, it comes supernaturally. It comes through the work of the Spirit in our lives. So there are many people that profess that they believe in one God. You know, you, you ask people in the United States, you take a poll and you say, how many believe, you know, in one God? And 80% of the people will say that they believe in God. How many of you believe in Jesus Christ as his son? And that's a lesser percent, but it's a pretty high percent. Over 50% believes that Jesus is the son of God. And even that maybe he may even be deity. You know, he may have some relationship, you know, with God being the, the son of God. But it kind of gets it goes downhill from there. You see, because they don't believe that there's any responsibility of a Christian to do anything. And that number is quite lower than those that believe. Now, there are plenty of people that believe that, well, since there is a God, we have to do something for him. But that's not faith either. You know, faith is knowing that there's a God and then loving him enough to do things for him, to want to do things for him. But it doesn't mean that those people that believe in God and believe in the Son of God are brothers and sisters in Christ with us. Let me say that again. Everyone who calls themselves a Christian is not a brother or sister in Christ. That's a bold statement. And that can be challenging for a lot of people. But it's true. Because many people say with their mouths that they believe, but they don't act it out in their lives. Their lives show nothing of their faith and God. You see, believing causes a response. It triggers an action. Belief actually produces works. It's not producing works based on the fact that I feel like I have to do something. It's based on the fact that I'm compelled to do it. I have no choice. I'm compelled. Paul said he has no choice. He has to preach. He couldn't stop from preaching the word. He had to preach the gospel. And James makes this point clear when he says that demons believe in God. Demons believe in God. Of course they do. That's where they fell from, right? So were demons saved? 
They believe in God. Come on. They believe even more than we do because they've seen him. But they're not saved. They're, they have faith or belief in God. But they don't have belief unto salvation. Their faith isn't unto salvation. They don't have a relationship with the Lord of all creation. We do. That's what makes us unique in that we actually have a relationship with the creator of the universe. We can't fathom that. I don't care how good of a Christian you are. That's something that we're not going to grasp until we meet him face to face. And then we're still going to have a hard time. We're still going to be in front and just saying, I know I'm not worthy. Now, there are some days where I think I'm pretty good. There are some days where I think, man, I, I've got it together. You know? And every time I do that, now I, I kind of cringe a little bit because it's like I'm, I'm waiting for you know, something to, to swipe at me. Because when I think I've got it all together, that's when I fall. And that's for each one of us. When we think that, man, I'm, I'm doing all this for God, watch out. Because it's God doing all this. And he's using us at that time, maybe for a moment. So the demons, they believe, but they're enemies of Jesus and they're enemies of all Christians. They want to deceive you. They want to direct you away from Christ just so that you wouldn't um, be effective. He doesn't, you know, Satan doesn't want you to be an effective Christian. He doesn't want you to have an impact in the world. Do you want to have an impact in the world? Oh, you don't? Do you want to have an impact in the world? Yeah. yeah. And, and the enemy wants to make sure that you don't. James drives his point home in verse 20 where he says, But do you know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with works, and by works faith was made perfect? That means complete, that word perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled which says Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. So James said Abraham demonstrated his faith at the altar with Isaac, but he didn't carry out what God told him to do. Take your son, your only son, and offer him as a sacrifice. He didn't do that. But he demonstrated faith that he was willing to do that. And so he demonstrated that faith there. He was willing to do whatever it was. And I believe that he was willing to kill his son because he knew the promise that God made. That Isaac would be the heir to all of his descendants. So if he was going to kill him, God would bring him back to life. So he trusted God that much. Are we willing to trust God that much with our own lives? Are we willing to trust him 
when things don't look right, when it's like, God, I don't see how you're going to make this work, but I trust you. I trust the direction you're sending me. I trust the purpose that you have, the plan that you have for my life. Quite often we do things on our own and we mess them up, but that doesn't mean that God says, well, you blew it, you're out of here, I'll find someone else. No, he'll, he'll wait for us to come back around and come back to him and learn from our lesson so that we can learn to trust him again. So James said Abraham demonstrated his faith at the altar and he was demonstrating his faith by works. That's how he demonstrated his faith because faith without works is dead. So if you have faith but there's nothing lived out in your life that shows that you have faith, then it's words. Faith is what we do or works is what we do with our faith that other people can see. Paul refers to Abraham also, and he focuses on faith instead of the works. In Romans chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, he says, For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. He said the same thing James said, but he said it's faith, not works, that did that. That's an apparent contradiction there. James said that the works justified him, and Paul said it wasn't works. They're both right. Because it's the perspective that they're looking at this. Abraham wasn't going to enter heaven by the works that he did, but by the evidence of his faith. And Paul put it this way in Titus chapter 3 verse 8 where he wrote to Titus saying this is a faithful saying and these things I want to affirm constantly that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works these things are good and profitable to men in verses 14 and 16 of James chapter 2 James asked the rhetorical question, what is a prophet? And here, Paul is saying, maintaining good works is profitable. That's what's profitable. James gives us another example of faith being worked out in the life of Rahab in verse 25, where he says, Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? As we were studying in Joshua, um, in the men's study, Rahab received the spies into uh, her home, and she told them, you guys are going to take this city. You're going to defeat you know, those here in Jericho. She already knew. She had faith that it was going to happen because your God gave you this land, and it's going to happen. She had faith. And how did she act her faith out? She acted her faith out by hiding the spies. And then after she hid the spies, she told them how to escape. 
and made a plan with them. When you come back, just remember me. And because of her faith and because of her works, she was saved, her and her family, when the Jews came back and took Jericho. It was her faith that caused that to happen. We'll conclude with what James says in verse 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. The argument that faith alone saves is true. But the faith that saves is not alone. It's followed up by works. It's expected to see works once there is faith. It's a change of attitude. It's a change of heart. If I kept doing what I did before I got saved, before I invited Jesus Christ into my life, if I continued doing and living my life the same way, there would be no evidence that Jesus entered my life, that he made a change in my life. Now, that's not to say that the day that I was saved, everything became perfect. It didn't become perfect. It became crazy. But the good news is that as I entered into this new relationship, my heart started changing, and over years, it changed, and I became a new person. It wasn't overnight. It took a long time. But overnight, it was a miracle, the things that took place. I stopped smoking. I stopped drinking. I stopped doing other things that I shouldn't have been doing. God took all of those things away from me. Not only did he take them away from me, this wasn't a work. You see, I didn't have to work at it. I lost the desire. That was the miracle. You know, we, we often recognize the scripture that, you know, when we trust in God and, and we stay focused on him, he'll give us the desires of our heart. What we're really missing there is that it's not he'll give us the desires of our heart based on what our heart desires. The truth of the scripture is that he'll place his desires inside of our hearts and he'll take out our desires and he'll remove the desires that we shouldn't have. And that's the way that we need to be living with the desires of God's heart in ours and our desires to be removed because I know I didn't have any stinking good desires at all. They were all stupid, you know? And God changed me because of that, because I believed and then it became a changed heart in my life. And that was the work, but it wasn't work that I had to actually force it to happen. It was work that God did in my life that made me into a new creation. We're all new creations in Christ if we believe in Jesus Christ and have received him into our hearts. That's all it takes, is receiving Jesus Christ into our lives. It's not 
something that we have to follow, a set of laws and rules. That were, that's the Old Testament. But we live in a new time, a time of grace. A time where God has forgiven us of our sins and all we have to do is accept those, the gift that he has given us through his son Jesus Christ. And in doing that, we're saved. We have eternal life. And then because of that, the works that we do are done unto him because we love him and we're grateful. Telling people about our faith won't have a very dramatic effect in the world. But it's the faith and the works together that are going to have a great impact when we go out there and demonstrate our faith by our works. And people will see what we believe by what we do, how we act, how we love. That's when works comes into play. It isn't works alone, because we can't get to heaven based on works. There's got to be faith tied in with it. So let's get out there and work out our faith. Amen?